This is InfoTrack, the weekly show with information you should know. Here's what's happening on this week's show. Reportedly, one in four adults have some type of mental health challenge. And at work, many of those sufferers hide their problem to avoid being labeled by bosses and co-workers. One expert says companies can help remove this stigma. You can struggle with your mental health. You can live with a diagnosed mental illness and still thrive in life and still be successful in life and still be happy and have moments of laughter and connection. Then, millions of Americans are looking for better jobs. What's the one question you must ask in a job interview? You're sort of creating the perfect kind of employee that you're looking for. So I think mentorship is a minimal cost with a great return. All that and more is coming your way on this week's Info Track. The show begins after this. InfoTrack, the weekly show with information you should know. Here's your host, Chris Whitting. A surprisingly large number of American adults suffer from some type of mental health challenge. And at work, many of these people hide their problem to avoid being labeled. One expert says companies can help remove this stigma. Here with the story, InfoTrack's Gina Tedesco. Gina? Thanks, Chris. Each year, one in five adults in the U.S. experiences mental illness, according to the latest data from the National Alliance on Mental Illness. It also says the problem was serious for one in 20 American adults. Fighting mental illness is hard enough on its own, but for those with jobs, it could be unbearable trying to succeed. Now comes advice for companies and workers from Jen Fisher, Chief Wellbeing Officer at Deloitte. Her recent book is Work Better Together, How to Cultivate Strong Relationships to Maximize Well-Being and Boost Bottom Lines. Ms. Fisher, when the superstar gymnast Simone Biles and tennis phenom Naomi Osaka went public with their mental health struggles, how much did that help validate the need for policies to help employees? I think it's huge, and there were those that came before them, but I think the more that those that have a public stage to come forward and speak openly about their mental health and their struggles with their mental health, and these are people that... You know, we hold up in society as these are stars, these are Olympic athletes. And so for people that look at that, that say, wow, how can someone like that possibly struggle with their mental health? It really humanizes the issue and says, to your point, one in five, right? One in five, if it's not you, it's someone you know, it's someone you love, it's someone you work with, it's someone you're friends with. We are all touched by this. And so I think it's huge. I think it's what's needed. I also think what was beautiful in particular about Simone Biles and Naomi Osaka was the way that their teams rallied around them. They didn't feel alone. They weren't you know, held out as something being wrong with them, but their teams really rallied around them and said, yes, we've got your back and this is real. And that's what we need to see happen in the workplace, but also, quite frankly, just in the world. We are sometimes led to believe that going hard and pushing through and powering through and wearing this badge of busy is the way to go. They're telling us, hey, you know what? Actually, in order to sustain high performance at the highest levels expected from an Olympic athlete, it's okay to not be okay. And it's okay to step back and rest and take care of myself first, and then I'll be back. 
Which seemed to be why you make the point in your book to rethink sick days, not only encouraging companies to grant sick leave for mental health, but for employees to ask for leave when they're struggling mentally. And you also say encouraging open, honest conversations about mental struggles is important. But how can a company assure employees they won't be stigmatized if they talk? I think there's a couple things that we need to clarify here. I think it's really important for the workforce and for employees to understand that we're not advocating for you to disclose something that you are uncomfortable disclosing. And that's really important. You know, in the U.S., obviously, there are laws and regulations that help protect the workforce, the employee, and patients kind of at large, right? And so this is more around humanizing the topic, I think the way that organizations can do it is to have leaders and colleagues who are comfortable sharing their story. You know, storytelling is incredibly powerful in all aspects of our lives. As kids, we love stories. As we grow up, (laughs) you know, we kind of forget the power of story. But in an organization, when we can point to others in a positive way, when we can see ourselves in others in a positive way, that storytelling becomes very powerful. In my own life, you know, in my own story, I'm very open about my own struggles with my mental health, with anxiety. And it's interesting and fascinating and heartwarming. All in one, the responses that I get when I talk about it, because people as a leader in organization, it's very powerful. And people are like, wow, I can't believe that you're so open about this. But you also get responses like, you have so much energy, or you seem so happy, or you're so successful. And my response to that is, yeah, you You can struggle with your mental health. You can live with a diagnosed mental illness and still thrive in life and still be successful in life and still be happy and have moments of laughter and and connection, all of those things. And that's where the stigma is so harmful and so painful for people that live with a mental illness because we buy into this stigma or we've been sold this stigma that somebody that lives with a mental illness can't thrive in life and can't be successful in life. And so my personal mission is to prove to others, to be a model for others, to show that you can be all of those things and still struggle with your mental health. I think that's what Naomi Osaka is doing. I think that's what Simone Biles is doing and so many others. And so I think the storytelling and the sharing of authentic experiences really opens up the dialogue and allows people to connect with others on a very human level. We're visiting with Jen Fisher, author of Work Better Together, How to Cultivate Strong Relationships to Maximize Well-Being and Boost Bottom Lines. You mentioned educational programs for employees to build resilience. Can you describe a resilience building program? Yeah, absolutely. So we think of resilience building as a muscle, right? You would go to the gym to build your muscles and you can build your resilience in much the same way. And so teaching people how to intentionally shift their mindset and use tools to shift their mindset to become more resilient, to put themselves in situations that perhaps are stressful, but they're stressful in a positive way. They help us learn and grow. And so building resilience in that if you get knocked down, you know, having that mindset to say, wow, yeah, that might have sucked, but you know what? There's another way or there's a better path or there's something else that's meant for me. And so teaching those skills and quite frankly, celebrating 
those skills and those opportunities in the workplace. So when something doesn't go the way that we've planned, we have the skill, we have that muscle already primed and already built to say, okay, that didn't work out the way I wanted it to, but I'm going to pivot and go this way. I'm going to think about it and change direction or have a different conversation or set a different goal and accept what I learned from that opportunity or from that situation. I think it's also important when it comes to education and mental health. Mental health literacy and teaching mental health literacy in the workplace is incredibly important and becoming even more important so that people understand what mental health is, what mental illness is, and more importantly, what it's not. And how do I have compassionate conversations with my colleagues so that we can all be there to support one another and help further remove the stigma in the workplace? The National Alliance on Mental Illness data I quoted earlier also indicates that 44% of lesbian, gay, and bisexual adults suffer mental illness each year, and that figure is 32% of multiracial persons and 22% of white adults. Those are the top three biggest groups. Now, do programs that reduce mental illness address a possible demographic component? Yes, and I, I think that that's a really important point because there are different cohorts of people or demographics of people that struggle for different reasons. I think of racial injustice and racial trauma, right? Things that people have lived with or trauma that they've experienced because of who they are. And I think it's really important to be very sensitive to that in the workplace and understand what some of those underlying issues might be. Look, mental health is something that we all have. But we might all, depending on our life situations, we're all impacted in different ways. And what triggers my mental health or my struggles with my mental health might be different than yours. And so I think there's a foundation and a baseline that everybody needs to understand. But I do think that it is critically important to understand different lifestyles, different cohorts of people, different demographics, different races, how their mental health can and is impacted and what that looks like and what some of the tools and resources that might be specific to those cohorts can be in order to help them thrive as well. Jen Fisher, Chief Wellbeing Officer at Deloitte. Thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you. For InfoTrack, I'm Gina Tedesco. Next, the one question you must ask in a job interview. That story, straight ahead. There's more InfoTrack coming up. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. 